Hello, this is Steve Spar, your host for SQ Unplugged, Conversations in Spiritual Intelligence. Spiritual intelligence is the ability to act with wisdom, compassion, and peace in the stress and pressure of the real world. Each episode of SQ Unplugged, I will talk with an SQ21 certified coach, which was a model developed by Cindy Wigglesworth of DeepChange.com. We'll discuss the challenges of how to be spiritually intelligent in the midst of modern life. Hello, welcome back to SQ Unplugged. I'm talking today with a friend and fellow SQ coach, Teresa Haggerty. Teresa has been involved in business for years, but she's also led a parallel life. She was a yoga, is a yoga teacher and has been for 25 years. Um, she does coursework. She's currently got a course running called The Soul's Journey. And you live outside of New York. That's where I'm calling you from right now. Is that right, Teresa? Yes, that's where I am. Well, welcome. New Jersey. Yeah, thank you. Well, why don't you start by just, I don't know, tell me kind of where do you see the need for SQ in the world today? What do you kind of see in the landscape? I've been noticing that I've had a lot of conversations with people who are interested in personal growth and spiritual growth, talking about our need for spiritual fitness and maturity to rise up. So it feels like people who, because we've had COVID for now two years and plus, that there's that solitary and collective need. Um, And since right now we are living in that social distancing, that reminding ourselves for our do-it-yourself spirituality to come back and being both spiritual in the solitary and the collective. So I think that reminds us that spiritual fitness, so going back to our own practices over and over again, whatever that means, however people do it individually. So I guess in a nutshell, I call it the rising of our spiritual fitness and maturity. Spiritual fitness, that's an interesting term because we think of fitness with respect to nutrition and exercise of our body, but we want to be what resilient, fit, able, more capacity in spiritual abilities as well. Yeah, I think, well, so I'll drop into a a yoga term. So we talk about yoga as a three-legged stool. You have to have balance and you have to have that first. Otherwise you fall over and you hurt yourself, right? So balance plus flexibility, plus strength. So those are all working together. And that three-legged stool, when you lose one of them, you get, you know, you can still stand, but you're much sturdier when you have all three. So in the physical, right, we, we know we need our food, our rest, and our exercise. Well, I think in our spiritual dimension, we need that as well in order to be flexible with what's coming down the pike, right? That adaptability. I think we have to sort of, quote unquote, muscle our way through to rise up with faith and courage and trust when we need it. And then we also have to somehow find our levels of equanimity as best we can. So in that respect, I see the braid in all three, right? Um, So that's how I see it. That's a nice metaphor. The yoga attributes of flexibility, balance, and strength, but also us needing that on just our interior world of of spirituality. You mentioned practices. So what are some of your practices? How do you help yourself maintain that flexibility, strength, and balance? So for myself, I find that I have to get out of nature for it. So the best time for me is usually going to bed and getting up in the morning. And 
when I, I don't go out in nature before bed, but I do try to get up and go in, in the morning. So the two, the two bookends of the day, I guess, like before I go to bed, I like to either journal or just some quiet time in prayer or reflecting on my day in gratitude, that kind of a, a slowing down, a recollection, a gratitude, a turning of my mind, um, and then offering that back. And for me, that's prayer, or that's what I call it, and that conversation with God. And then when I wake up, I like to get out in nature because my mind is still more quiet and I can find that it's easier for me because not, nothing from the day has already been compressing upon me that I can notice what's happening. I can be at a pace that works. I can just be in a place where I'm listening, not talking as much. So those are the two regulars for me. It's not daily, I, ha I have to say, but it's as regular um, as I can keep it. What yeah. about you? I wanna, I wanna hear about you too. Like. Oh. Yeah, just like, do you have any that you have normally? Yeah, um, the primary one for me is, has probably been meditation, usually in the morning. You know, for a long time that has uh, kind of been from a mindfulness or a, a Buddhist practice perspective. For several years, I practiced with a local insight meditation group here mm -hmm. in Sacramento. So that's always kind of key, although that has grown into other other areas um, buddhist meditation is more uh, the way i experience it an expanding of awareness either through open or through concentration but recently i've really been uh taking some coursework and working with some mentors to expand traditional awareness meditation to include subtle energies mm -hmm. and uh so that's been challenging different for me and um enriching so awareness and meditation would be would be big. I try to end my evenings with um, prayer, which feels different to me than meditation. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is not really a traditional petitionary sort of prayer. It's really more a matter of me putting myself into a contemplative state and maybe even a subtle energy state and bringing to mind those people who I want to commune with or who I, I, I know are grieving or need healing or some sort of um, support. But I'd say there's a couple, so those are maybe traditional or yes. lots of people would be aware of those, but a couple other um, journaling has been a long time practice for me where you get insights that just develop and, and come intuitively that you wouldn't have if you didn't journal. Another one important to me is service. Mm -hmm. I am always involved in one or more organizations or causes that are allowing me to be in an outflowing way, but in a physical helping sort of way. I think that is really important um, to get away from just it being sort of a mental or an internal personal individual thing. Uh, the other one though, that's really come up for me is similar to journaling, but I'm really trying to write more like professional writing about spiritual development. I have a book idea. It may, it may manifest into a book, but the process of writing it is a lot of inquiry and self-exploration for me. So those are four or five things I try and do um, in spiritual practice. I love it. I it. When you were just talking about what your form of that prayer is, I feel like that naturally comes up in the morning. So mm. I think that it's about space. Um, 
when we can give ourselves time and space, right? Because ultimately that's what life is. It's like you have an allotted amount of time. How are you going to use the time? Where are you doing it with who? And so how do we carve out the time to let our mind have a lot of ample space? So whether it's with a blank page, whether it's sitting on a mat taking deep breath, whether it's out letting your eyes look at long distances in nature, it's like having an awareness of uh, being in a carved out time and space that then allows you to not be aware of time and space. <laughs> that is that is a wise statement. I think if we don't carve out, this is where ritual or maybe even routine is so important. Um, I fall, now there can be a habit side to that where you kind of deaden and the practice isn't fresh. But if you, there's also a benefit to establishing a routine. So for me, <clears throat> if it tends to be um, meditation and then journaling in the morning and then prayer at night, um, you, your psyche, your awareness, your inner being starts to attune to that schedule. And uh, one, it just carves out the time so you have the space to be in no space. But um, also, it's just so hard with the press of the day. If you're waiting just for spontaneous moments for practice to appear, which can happen, but you're really, you know, batting way down in the lineup if you don't also just somehow carve out the time. Right. And, and to me, that's part of what I was answering you initially about creating our own spiritual fitness, because when you do something with repetition, then you're going to build up those quote spiritual muscles or our reminders. And then that in essence becomes the contribution that you bring after the fact, like once you're refreshed or strong or more balanced and composed, then you have something that's going to be offered. And since we're still at different levels, different people have their um, considerations that are happening under COVID and distancing and the different pressures. When we come back individually to the group, how do we get back to the group at all <laughs> when there's restrictions, but then having that side by side level of how do I make the next connection with someone else that I might uplift them, support them, invite them? Um, that becomes like the both and, I think. Let me share this with you. I'd like to get your, your take on this because I tend to view, um, you know, of course, our ego self, our personality is necessary. It gets us around during the day. It's not to be shamed or eradicated or, or judged. Um, and when it can be elevated, it's a great partner with our spiritual side, with our, with our higher self. But I notice, of course, when I'm caught up in the daily trappings of life and I'm more in my personality, there's a shift that happens when I shift over into, it's, it's an expanded state of consciousness. It's some kind of shift of perspective. And I think these practices that we're talking about and these rituals are things that make it easier to do that either quicker or sustain it longer. So do you experience it that way? Like there's a shift when you go from ego self to higher self? Yes, I think shift is a good operative word for that. Um, and awareness, obviously some of these words get lost in the shuffle, but yeah, I think it's like there is a, a moment, there is a perceptual difference, right? It's subtle. It's not like there's anything going, ah <laughs> it's just, um, the noticing changes. And I notice in me, it feels other, it feels like it's expansive. Um, 
And to your point about the egoic place of the personality, I know that I can be used. We all are used through a personality because that's what that's what we're living in, in the egoic world, in the human world. And to almost live that liminal space, that back and forthness of divine and human or being incarnated, right? Like the spirit becomes flesh. So we are spirit in the flesh and noticing those moments where I can turn back to that liminal and ask toward what I'll call the other side. Like, let me go into the better part of me. Let me go into that part where I can let go of what is seen with my eyes in order to feel what's better, what's longer, what's more enduring. So I hear it, I see it, I know it. So maybe I'm more spiritually fit when I can see it quicker and better. You know, in the morning, I might be meditating on, wow, the nature of perception, the nature of awareness. But later in the day, if I'm talking to someone and start to get irritated, if I can remember that moment in the moment, then I make that shift. Right. And that goes back to what I was saying about the spirit, the physical fitness, right? So I've been noticing like this ache that's in um, right behind my shoulder blade. And it's because I've been sitting in a car a lot and I noticed that I'm slouching in the car. So I realized, oh man, I got to put my shoulders back. I'm, I'm slouching again. And it's like this reminder in the physical, well, in the same way, when I notice I'm being too hurried, annoyed, irritated, or fearful, or anything that isn't really the better side of me, it's almost like sit up straight, quote unquote, in the spiritual, like, no, go back to faith. No, go back to compassion. No, go back to this in a mental, I tell myself mentally that, and then it allows me to drop in, take a breath, remember, and um, remembering my way back to the essence of my spiritual body, so to speak. So I think those are the ways that we kind of go back and forth in the middle of the day, right? I mean, right. The more we have a base set of practices, the more likely it is for us to be able to revisit that liminal space, that expansive space. We're more right. aware of it. We're more just used to it. The benchmark is stronger. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Spiritual intelligence. Bing, bing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there... Um, so I think there's benefits to practice and to, and to working on spiritual fitness in that they allow us to uh, feel more connected to our higher self. But you're also talking about ways that make us feel uh, more able, more comforted, more um, experienced, more able to be used by spirit in physical form. So I'm wondering, what are some aspects of spiritual intelligence that um, you go to when you want comfort, when you need solace? Mm. You know, here, because I think it's the ego part of us, the personality, the part in form, the human physical part that is walking around, bumping into people, hurting feelings and getting hurt that wants solace. So that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. So for me, um, right now in my life, I live alone and work alone. And so I'm finding that when I get my solace, I am going to like what we're talking about, the spiritual practice moment, whether it's with a blank page, whether it's in nature, when I go to that and I will almost pose a question from what I will call my human self to the divine self or to God, I, you know, that's, and I'm like, tell me what you think of me. 
And when I actually pause for that, I feel like there's something that's sometimes just a quiet reminder. Sometimes I will feel like I hear a word that reminds me how much love is in me, around me, through me, because of me. And I would call that the reminders of love. That becomes, and whether it's just ingrained because I've known that I'm loved from humans and it's been demonstrated and my learnings, it's like the solace becomes, I'll ask the question from one self to the next. That makes some sense. I'm not sure if that was clear. It was beautiful. Because I think there is a way to touch into and gain comfort and solace um, when we know we are loved and when we know that some portion of that love comes from not just self-generated, not just from other people, but also from some other higher source. That, right. That's how I experience it. Um, right. And I guess like yeah. right now I'm noticing that um, uh, the word is a very malleable word, love, right? And sometimes I feel that awareness that it's a, a distancing, disciplining, um, sharpening, that that is equal to the love. Almost like when someone who is a, a high teacher to a student who's just beginning the course of anything, right? It doesn't even matter what they're learning. So sometimes I feel like I'm spiraling into new places that I haven't had to do before. And it's not external, it's internal. So I'm into new kinds of work, new kind of relationship, new kind of demands. And in that respect, oh my gosh, I'm completely a new student again. And when I go to the question lately, show me what you see, tell me the love of me, I'll get like an image. Sometimes it's a, a word, sometimes it's a, a phrase. But sometimes it's an image of the master sculpting the student. And that is a real um, ardent form of love that actually brings a sense of soothing when you're in a long-term next growth phase, like the growing pains of the next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all reach kind of those either plateaus or dry periods, and we need reassurance. You know, when you say that um, about being open, first of all, it sounds like you're in that open contemplative state, but then being open to whatever the word or image is, I think you talk about intuitive insight. There's ways that yes. bypass, you know, a cognitive. When you ask the question, you're not asking for an equation answer. You're open and then something comes and it's an intuitive insight. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that when, when we can... Um be as relaxed as possible so that it's not thinking, we take ourselves higher naturally into conscious states. So we naturally will gravitate towards something that's more intuitive, imaginative, psychic, beyond. It's not contrived. So absolutely. Let me run another thing by you. This thought about love and then it sounds like you do this perhaps in your journaling. Mm -hmm. Like you ask a question and then you wait to see what what comes up and I, I do um, a similar thing. And I've been, and also because I'm doing some writing, some professional writing around spiritual development topics, I got this idea and I've started to write about it and I think it's true, but it's one of those things I'm finding out through writing and I wanna run past you. And the idea is that perhaps self-love 
which is absolutely critical to any sort of interior development path, almost can't come fully without an opening to some sort of divine love. We each have so much history, personal trauma, work, hurt feelings, rejections, just the insults and you know, pains of life. And even if you find another person who reflects you well, I'm very lucky, been married 33 years, very loving person, and we have deep relationship, but that person can die, it can be gone. And so at some ultimate level, can we only know that we're really lovable at the deep core only through some sort of divine experience of love? That's what I'm playing with. And I'd love your reflections on that. Wow. Uh, it's funny because as you started asking the question, my mind drifted toward seeing someone looking up at the stars at night and experiencing that really peaceful, quiet, contemplative sense of wonder and awe. And that is a very loving moment, or I would call it that, where it's not necessarily a projection onto um, a religious being. It's not um, a form. It's not a ritual. It's a momentary peace. It's a momentary calm. And I think that the, the types of love can come at us when we actually turn toward what we might know as love or peace or joy. Like, you know, we're talking about words um, or I'm using words to talk about a feeling and an experience that makes it sometimes distancing. But I think we all know when there is the, the deep sigh in our heart, the, the smile that naturally comes across our face. So whatever that experience or that perception can widen us back, I would call that a loving space. And it can feel more um, rich and profound, it, but it's a very different type than when it's a human. I, I think it's very right for those who have a human touch or a human voice to remind us of that. But if you don't have it, then yes, going back to how you get it for yourself when you're alone is the, it's the space of love in your fitness of life, in your collective and in your singular all at once. Yeah. I'm really sensing that spirituality has to be, this is again, something else I'm really kind of trying to write into, but it just seems obvious to me. There are individual aspects and you were talking about this a minute ago, <clears throat> but ultimately we have to be doing it in relationship mm -hmm. and ultimately um, in the whole, in the collective. Right. So even in that, so that's where like for me in the skill set of the SQ21 work, it's like, how do we relate to the higher self? How do we relate to God? How do we relate to the skills that are universal or how do we work on those skills? How do we cultivate them? And I think that's part of what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming up on the close of the time here for the podcast. Just reflecting back over this conversation or just for whatever's coming up for you. Would you have any kind of um, final image or closing thoughts or provocative question or something you would leave people with that could help them with their 
spiritual fitness or with their walking in the world trying to find divine love? When you asked the question, an image came into my mind about someone just sort of being gentle with themselves, themselves, placing their hand on their heart, um, walking through life, being able to open up to oneself, being gentle, being able to push through what we have to, being quiet. I think it all feels very integrative to me. So. I don't think I have anything beyond that except practice it all. <laughs> that image helps me a lot. I feel it. Uh, I feel it affect me even as you describe it. You know, we've all got our own aspects. One aspect of me is a little driven, even in spiritual practice. So there's some part of that that is not divine. That is um, achievement oriented or personality oriented. So to hear you describe that the way you did just relaxing into myself and, you know, whatever, ha, whatever progress, if you want to call it that, that I'm trying to make, um, that I'm enough. Yeah, ultimately, we want to bring, I guess the concept is bring heaven right to earth right here, right now, as much as we can, and then we'll practice for when we're not in this form. Very good. That's beautiful. Teresa, <clears throat> thanks so much for being part of this conversation. Really appreciate I you being here on the podcast. I always love talking to you. Thank you so much for it's always fun. Space. Oh, very good. So, and thank you to listeners to the SQ Unplugged podcast. We welcome you back in the future so that you can listen to another episode and a conversation with an SQ21 coach. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.